All right, so we, um, we've taken a little bit of a detour from 1 John um, around Easter, and now we're kind of getting back on with where we were with 1 John. So just to review, just real briefly in the book of 1 John. So John wrote this book to the church to address some bad teaching or some heresy, particularly this Gnostic heresy, which says essentially that the body is bad, and the spirit is good. And there's all kinds of other stuff that are wrapped up in that and all kinds of implications. But basically it had implications for who Jesus is and was and how they saw Jesus and viewed Jesus. Because certainly Jesus as God and man has a lot to do with spirit and flesh, spirit and body. And so this heresy was wreaking havoc on their right perspective and right understanding of who Jesus was. And when you mess up the Jesus thing, you pretty much mess up everything, okay? So this was, this, was a big, this was a big deal. When you don't see Jesus rightly, you can't interact with Jesus rightly, and, and everything in your world gets thrown off, and this is what was happening in the church. So um, just some review, a little, little test here for those of you that have been around for the teaching the past two months. So um, the gospel is Jesus. Okay, good. The gospel is Jesus. It's not just a message. It is the person of Christ. The gospel is Jesus. Last week on Easter Sunday, Justin gave us a new one too. Not new, but um, that the, the, um, the gospel is good news. Okay, so the gospel is Jesus. The gospel is good news. Therefore, Jesus is good news. Um, Jesus doesn't just bring good news. Jesus embodies good news news. Um, Jesus just doesn't point us to the kingdom. Jesus embodies the kingdom. The kingdom is present with Jesus. Um, Jesus doesn't just bring transformation or redemption. Jesus is transformation and redemption. And so it's very important that we have this understanding of who Christ is at the core. So John was addressing this, this serious problem, and, and, and part of what was happening was that when you don't teach the right stuff, so follow this chain with me, when you don't teach the right stuff, you don't hear the right stuff. So if I'm teaching garbage up here, you're hearing garbage, right? So if you don't teach the right stuff, you don't hear the right stuff. And if you don't hear the right stuff, you don't believe the right stuff. And if you don't believe the right stuff, then you're not living the righteous way, the right way. And if you're not living the right way, then there's probably a lot of turmoil and pain and brokenness and suffering around you that you're putting yourself through. Okay? So the chain, right? If you're not teaching the right stuff, which they weren't, then you're not hearing the right stuff. If you're not hearing the right stuff, you're not believing the right stuff. If you're not believing the right stuff, then you're not living the right way. And if you're not living the right way, then there's just turmoil and carnage and chaos around you, which is what John is addressing in the book. Um, because those who were receiving this letter from John were believing this bad teaching, it went, it followed through the chain. And so there was turmoil among them. And it was particularly manifesting itself in their relationships with one another. Wrong picture of Jesus, garbage in. Bad relationships with people around you, garbage out, okay? I don't want to 
break down our Christian journey into a formula, but just to summarize it, that's, that's what they were looking at. Bad picture of Jesus, bad teaching, misunderstanding of who Jesus actually is, and it affects everything, namely their relationships with one another. Now, we're created in God's image, okay? And part of that image, a, a very significant part of that image is to be relational beings, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit related intimately together. Okay, we relate to each, we're created for community. We're created for relationship. We all feel that. When relationships are bad, we feel that stress and strain in our life. When our relationships are good, when they're healthy, when they're deep, when they're clicking, that's good. So their relationships were falling apart because they, they didn't have this accurate, not only just an accurate picture of Jesus, but a, a, a real relationship with Jesus. They were relating to something else not to the Jesus who is the gospel, not to the Jesus who is good news, but something, something else. So this is where we're going to pick up this morning in 1 John, but let's pray. Jesus, I pray that um, we together as your body of Christ here at Cornerstone would receive fully what it is that you want us to receive, that we would be hearing the right stuff. And ultimately, because we're hearing the right stuff, that we're intimately connected with you, Jesus, the, the real Jesus, the right Jesus, the Jesus who created us, the Jesus who loves us, King, Son, Healer. Jesus, so that we can experience the fullness of your love, the fullness of your kingdom, and how you give that to us in the context of our relationships, in the context of our community, Jesus. We love you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Okay, so some foundational stuff before we dive into the teaching today. Um, in the beginning, who? God. Okay, good. Man, if you guys didn't get that, I was going to like, I thought, should I, just, should I just tell them? Because if we don't get that, then everything's off for the rest of the morning. But good, okay. I can breathe easier now. In the beginning, God. And we actually find out in 1 John, or we will find out later on in 1 John chapter 4, that... God is, what? God is love, right? God is love. So in the beginning, God, and God is love. So what does that tell us then about this little formula again? Well, we're in the formula this morning, so all you math geeks out there, here you go. Um, what does that tell us about his love? Yeah, yeah, exactly. God's love is eternal. God's love is forever. It, it has been. He didn't just, he wasn't just sitting around one day and go, man, what do we need? Something's missing. Oh, yeah, love. I'll create love. No, like his love is eternal. It, it was forever and it will be forever. We don't, we don't conjure up God's love. It's, it's here. It's present among us. It's been present in human history. It's been present in the history of our universe. Um, it, his love is eternal because, because he's eternal and he is love. So um, even when we look back over some of the most horrific atrocities in human history, like God's love wasn't absent. Like it, it was there. And we might ask where, that's a valid question, but it, it was there. Um, God's love is, is in our relationships. Um, God's love is in some of the most broken places in our lives that we may think that God's love isn't, but it's there because his love is eternal. The question is really, do, do we open ourselves to that love? Do we access that love? Do we let that love do the thing that it does, which this, it's this incredibly powerful force? It's 
the most powerful force that our world has ever known. It changes individuals' lives. It's changed the course of human history. Um, God's love. But do we, do we access it? Do we receive it? Do we see it? Do we acknowledge it? Do we invite it in to do what it does? So, God's love. Just a brief history of God's love. First John chapter 2. If you want to go to First John chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 3 to 11. 1 John 2, verses 3 to 11. And by this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him truly, truly, the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Beloved, I'm writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother and abides, whoever, sorry, whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Justin and I were talking about this passage this week, and Justin said, do you hear that last part? Like, the darkness has blinded his eyes. And, I, you know, I've read that. But, uh, yeah. And when you think about it, that's, that's kind of a cool phrase. Like, that's good wordsmithing by the Holy Spirit there, you know? The darkness has blinded his eyes. That's, that's dark. That's dark. So this is a big deal. That's a pretty, pretty strong emphasis on the end of that passage. So what's going on here? First John 2. So um, John is saying that if you know Christ, so you have this relationship with Christ, then, you know, another way of saying that is you're, you're in Christ. There's this abiding. Abiding means remaining in, living in. So you know Christ, you're in Christ, you abide in Christ, or you abide in the light. These are all basically the same thing. It's saying the same thing. Um, and that's what this passage is saying. If you have that standing, if you have that position in Christ, there's this dynamic interplay with his commandments. So if you follow his commandments, then you're probably over here on the left. You're in him, right? And if you're in him, then you follow his commandments. They, they kind of go together. It's kind of hard to say which one really comes first or which one leads to the other, but, but there's this, I just call it a dynamic interplay. If you know Christ, then just out of that overflow, you keep his commandments. And if, and if you keep his commandments, then that's indicative of the fact that that you know Christ, okay? And, and then out of that, the fruit of that dynamic interplay with those things, your, your position in Christ and the following of his commandments is that you love one another. At least that's, this is the emphasis that John is putting on in this passage, that through that interplay between his commandments and remaining him and remaining him and knowing his commandments, you just overflow love towards your brother and sister, 
Um, that's, that's just what's going on here. In, uh, in the New Living Translation, which some of you may u- be using that, he talks about the commandment, okay? So what is the commandments? What, what commandments is, is John referring to? That what, what of Jesus' commandments is he particularly highlighting? And if you have the NLT, it says it. It fills it in, okay? It fills it in. Love one another. It's not in the original Greek, okay? And you may not have it in your text. You may not actually, if you're looking at, like, if you have an ESV, it's not going to say, um, follow this commandment, love one another. It's just going to talk about loving your brother and sister. That's what the remainder of the passage is about. And so, but that's what's being referenced. John is referencing this, um, this commandment of loving one another. And he says, this is an old commandment. Um, you know this, people. Um, you, you know this. It's, uh, it's in your scriptures. It's, it was in the Old Testament. So from thousands of years ago, you know this commandment. It was given to you. And he's re- referencing Leviticus 19.18. Um, you don't have to go there. I'm going to read it. He references Leviticus 19.18, which says, Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against a fellow Israelite. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against a fellow Israelite, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So he just, he seals it up with, I am the Lord. This is my word. This is what I say. This is my commandment. I'm the Lord. I mean, I do that as a parent too, um, to my kids. I say, get along with each other now. I'm your dad. How many times do I have to tell you this? right? It's a little bit different. I have to add on how many times I have to tell you this. God says, I am the Lord, right? And he leaves it right there. Um, but, but we all do this, maybe at work. Um, put these things away in this place over here. I am your boss. Do it, okay? Love your neighbor. Love one another. I am the Lord. So this is the commandment that's being referred to in 1 John, um, referencing back to Leviticus um, 19.18. And so there's this whole thing that he goes on about light and darkness. And like, if you claim that you're in the light, if you claim that you abide in Christ, if you claim you know Christ, but you don't love your brother or sister, then guess what? You're in the darkness. And if you're in the darkness, then you don't know Christ. Then you're not in Christ. Then you don't abide in Christ. And you don't really know him. That's a strong indictment. The fruit of your life does not actually show that you know Christ. I know Christ. I go to church every Sunday and I read my Bible and I help the old lady across the street and I do all these great things. Um, But you don't love your, I saw how you treated that person. You could not possibly be in Christ. This is the kind of thing John is speaking. This is hard to hear because we can hear the same kinds of things. If you do love your brother or sister, then you do walk in the light. And if you walk in the light, that's the place where Jesus is. So you are in Christ. You abide with him. You remain with him in that place. Pretty simple stuff. It's just that we hate hearing the whole, like, if you don't actually love your brother or sister, then you're actually in darkness. And if you're in darkness, then you have no place over here. Okay? Now go to John chapter 15. The book of John, the gospel of John, chapter 15. John says something very, very similar in John chapter 15, which is a passage that you know. In fact, this is one of the passages that I think we hit on at best one of our Vesper services. Um, the true vine, right?
So John chapter 15, verse one. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, um, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. Okay, you can kind of hear similar language, right? As the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, here we go with commandments now, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. So again, there's this dynamic interplay between abiding in Christ and keeping his commandments. John says it again. Different book, different letter, same basic message. If you abide in me, if you're connected to me, you will obey my commandments. If you obey my commandments, that is an indication that you are abiding and remaining in me. They're connected together. And then he says, this is my commandment. So then he takes commandments and whittles it down to a specific commandment again. That you love one another as I have loved you. It's interesting, he says, this is my commandment. This is my commandment. And if you go back two chapters before, which you can if you would like, into John chapter 13, he says in chapter 13, verse 34, A new commandment. Again, he's using this language, old, new commandment, this time frame. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So there's the fruit. By this, people will know that you actually abide in me. If you love one another, people will know that you're with me, that you're with Jesus simple to talk about. Hard to live, right? Hard to live. A new commandment. This is a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Except it's not a new commandment. In Leviticus 19.18, it said the same thing. And Jesus says in John 13, and then he says in John 15, my commandment is love your neighbor as I have loved you. So why, why is it a new commandment? We know it's old, Leviticus 19.18, why is it a new commandment? It's a new commandment because it's being fulfilled in the person of Christ. It's being fulfilled in the good news. This is the good news. I am Jesus. I am full of love. Love your neighbor as I have loved you. This is what I'm living. This is what I want you to live. It's fulfilled in Christ. If you go back to uh, the first John passage, 
And it says um, in verse 8, 1 John 2, verse 8, at the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him. It's true in the very person of Christ now. It's now being filtered through Christ. In John 15, he says, this is my commandment. This is my commandment. Love your neighbor as I have loved you. So Jesus is the fulfillment of this great commandment that John is talking about in 1 John. Keep this commandment because it's an overflow of this person who is the gospel, who is good news, who loves you so much. And this is the fruit that you love one another. Don't walk in darkness. Walk in light. It's way better. It's way better. But we, we struggle. We struggle in these places. I mean, let's be honest. We, most of us, we say we love Jesus and we know Jesus loves us and we follow his commandments and I think for the most part we'd say that we, we love other people. Um, and we probably might even say we, we do a pretty good job of loving other people um, except maybe there's a few exceptions of certain kinds of people that we don't love but that's not really on us. It's on them because they're weird and they do stupid stuff and they hurt me and so I don't have to love them. Like that's separate um, except that's not what any of this says at all. It says, love your brother and sister. It, there's no exceptions listed. I looked in my footnotes in my Bible for exceptions. Um, there weren't any. I, look, I got like the Amplified Bible. There were no exceptions listed anywhere. Um, so this star that just appeared above the last arrow, it's an asterisk. I'm making a footnote. Great. We can follow that formula. Cool. Know Christ, in Christ, abide in Christ, keep his commandments, bam, bam, bam. They go back and forth. They feed off of each other. It's a big, circular, awesome chaos of truth thing going on and then boom out pops the fruit which is my love for my neighbor except the fruit doesn't always pop out and so what do we do with that what what's happening there what's happening where that star is um what's happening at the asterisk john's listeners are not loving well because they're missing the person of christ the person through which this commandment is fulfilled if they're missing this person then they can't love appropriately it makes a lot of sense if you're baking something and it asks for certain ingredients and y- maybe you've all done this, I don't know, or if you've baked, you've done this. I see people smiling at the people next to them. I would love to hear your stories of baking accidents. If you don't put the right ingredient in, it doesn't, it's not going to taste what it's supposed to taste like, right? Like you put in double the salt instead of the flour or something. Actually, I was reading it. I was reading a story to Sammy this morning before we came in, and it was about a lemonade stand, and they used salt instead of sugar, and the lemonade was horrible. Perfect example. Little did I know that I was getting a sermon illustration. So the lemonade was horrible because they used salt instead of sugar by accident because they were, like, next to each other on the counter, and they grabbed the salt instead of the sugar. Um, And so if the person of Christ that you're being taught about and you're listening to and you're receiving is not actually the real person of Christ— then you can't follow his commandment to love one another because you're following the wrong dude. It's not the truth. Like, it's not the light. You're, you're abiding in the wrong thing. It's an imposter. And so the love isn't actually the love that Jesus is talking about and that John is talking about. It's something else. It might look like the love, but it's not actually the love of Christ. 
what comes out isn't the right thing. And so we do this, we do this all the time. And so John's saying, like, look, you're, the picture of Christ that you have is wrong, and so you can't love your neighbor, and that's why everything's falling apart around here. Because you're not loving the way that you're supposed to love. The overflow is a, it's a, it's a, it's a dark overflow. You're not overflowing out of the person in love of Christ because he first loved you, and now you love your neighbor. Something else is going on. So now remember that his love, um, God, er, uh, in the beginning, God, and God is love, and so his love is eternal. So even if they're missing the mark with all of this, like God's love is still there. It's still there to be had. It's still w- w- in their church. It's still in these places where it appears that are breaking apart and falling apart. His love is eternal. It's not far from them. It just needs to be accessed. It needs to be found. It needs to be walked in, and it's not. So this is, um, is going to be a little dangerous. I was hoping the cross was going to be up here. It's not. So I'm going to watch your head, Paul. So I'm going to carry the cross to the front because I have an illustration. Terry, when I swing around, duck. All right. Gary, watch yourself. Okay, there we go. All right. This is heavier than it looks. I'm just putting on a good face. All right. So Jake, um, you stand here. So this is, this is the way that it's supposed to be. So I know Jesus, and I abide in Christ, and I follow his commandments, and, and here's Jesus, and I relate to him. And so I love Jake through Jesus, okay? Like my, everything that I do towards Jake should go through the cross and through Christ. And so that love... <clears throat> is real. It's a Jesus kind of love. It's not some sort of fake kind of made up love because, because I filtered it through the right, the right place. Okay. So here it is. There's Jake, but I cannot help but look at Jake unless I look at Christ. Like I have to see Jake through Jesus. So the love is authentic. And, and as I interact with Jake, I interact with Jesus And Jesus is saying to me, like, Matt, you know, you need to love Jake in this way, even though Jake bugs you or annoys you in this way, or he hurts you in that way, or he loves you in this way, or loves you. And and Jesus shows me all that. He says, oh, Matt, by the way, your heart is dark in this spot. Um, Jesus, I can see those things. And so so all that gets cleansed out. And, and like, the love that I give to Jake goes right through the cross, and it just is filled with Jesus. So, So Jake doesn't necessarily feel, like, loved by me, as much as he feels loved by Jesus, right? Because the love is really a Jesus kind of love. Now, where's my clicker? So there it is. Me or you, Christ and the cross, and then my brother or sister. Jake, you're doing really good. Brother, Brother. yeah, brother, oh yeah, but for the sake, yeah, right, thank you. We've yet to determine. Um, so, but, but the teaching is bad. It's heretical. And so this is getting mixed up. And so the filter through which I'm loving Jake might not be this. It might not be Jesus. It might be this Christ imposter. Um, so it might look like Jesus. So it's not. So we'll move Jesus and see here. Ted, would you mind coming up here? Jake's like, this is so lame. The last time I was up here, I got to climb inside of a, a bass bag and play a harmonica. 
Okay, so you're the Christ imposter, okay? So you stand here. Uh, so, so now, like, I, I love Jesus, right? I go to church, and I read my Bible, and, I, and I, I'm pretty convinced that I love Jesus, and there's Jesus, and I know him, and I acknowledge him, except he's not who I'm putting in this relationship. There's something else there. There's this Christ imposter that's there. So now my love for Jake, or my attempted love of Jake— goes through this Christ imposter. Don't think that Ted is any sort of Christ imposter. He's not. And it goes through this filter that's not the right filter. And so Jake is like, oh, Matt did something nice to me or something. But I don't know. Something just doesn't feel right about that. Or I, I don't know. I'm not sure. Anyway. Um, so so that's, another, that's another picture, this Christ imposter, something else. What are those things? You guys can sit down. Thank you. Round of applause. Um, when, when Jay goes to Indonesia and the Philippines each year, he always brings me back a soccer jersey that he bought at some market on some street somewhere there. And it looks real. Um, it's like Nike, and it has like this stitched Nike symbol. And the tags are all the same that you would get at the Nike store, and you'd pay $80 for this soccer jersey. Um, and it just looks identical. And you're just like, whoa, sweet, except Jay pays $2 for it, which is awesome. Um, it's like almost free. It's almost free. And some of you others in here have received some of those soccer jerseys as well. And I'd rather pay $2 for a cheap piece of junk than $80 for a really nice one. But, you know, it looks real. I mean, you look at it you're like, this thing looks legit. This thing looks real. Except after you wash it a couple times, you're like, whoa, this thing is falling apart. You know, there's like threads coming out of it and not f- t- falling apart totally, but, but enough that you're like, man, if this were actually really Nike, I'd take it back to the store because this is in pretty bad shape. Um, but so at first it seems real and legit. And then you're like, this is, wow, this is definitely worth $2. No, it's worth more than $2. It's probably, I would think it's like $10, but so I still think it's a good deal. But there's threads and things, weird things happen to it. And they kind of smell like chemicals when you get them, too. You're kind of like, that's kind of the first indication that it's imposter. You're like, oh, I wonder what bromide thing is stuck on here that's going to make me have a rash. I have not gotten any rashes. And Jay, if you're listening to this before you come home, please bring me another soccer jersey. I love them. So an imposter, an imposter. some of the other, the, another thing that we can do is we actually take, look out guys, just to fall on you. So here's the cross, and um, Jake, go stand down there, sorry. So I'm like, here's, here's me, and you know, I'm a good Christian, and I follow Jesus and his commandments, and here's Jesus, right, and here's his commandments written down right here. And so I, I take Jesus, and then um, I, I'm supposed to love Jake, but it's hard to love Jake because Jake's hard to love sometimes. And, and so I'm like, okay, Jesus, I'll go love Jake because I know you want me to. And so I walk away from Jesus, and I'm like, I know I'm supposed to love you because the commandments say they are. So I love him through the commandments. And it just is like kind of this cold thing. And so the commandments are really separated. So his, lo- his commandment to love is really separated from the person of Christ. So I'm, I do this just to do it like, Jake— do you want to go play ultimate frisbee with me at the park, even though I really don't want to, because I am a follower of Jesus' commandments, and I'm supposed to be in relationship with you, um, so do you want to do that? And then Jake's like, yeah, cool, yeah, let's go play ultimate frisbee in the park. 
And then we get to the park and we're playing Ultimate Frisbee and Jake's like, I, I don't know, this is weird. Like, does Matt really want to be here playing Ultimate Frisbee with me? Does he really want to be with me? Does he really love me? And I'm going, well, of course I do because I, I love Jesus and he's over here and I love, well, I, I, maybe I don't love the commandment to love my neighbor, but at least I know I'm supposed to because it says that I am and I want to be who it is I'm supposed to be. But it just doesn't feel right. Thanks, Jake. And so... Um, this is top-notch theater, people, just in case you were wondering. So, so the cross is over here, and it's cool. I can still see it. I'm like, yep, there's my Jesus. There it is right there. And here I am, and here's the commandment to love my neighbor that I know I'm supposed to do. And through that, I love my neighbor or my brother, except it's just not the way it's supposed to be. Like something is just not right. It's not real. It's not legit. It's, it's, it's fake. And fake can be destructive sometimes. Fake can be hurtful. It just doesn't feel right. And yet we all, we all find ourselves in these places. Um, you probably can't see the screen, but that's okay, because you can see Jesus. Um, one time, I, I've told this story. It's been a while, but I'm going to tell it again, because I think it's really appropriate. We um, live in the city here in Lebanon, and some boys from the neighborhood came over to our house, and we're playing with our kids. And they were a little bit older at this point. Um, they were like late elementary school kids. Our kids were younger elementary age at the time, preschool age. And we just had a great time with these boys, two of the boys. And they played with our kids' toys. They played with our kids. They were appropriate with our kids, even though there was an age gap. They just, they just, it was great. It was like, yes. God, this is so cool. We're so glad these kids who, you know, they're from, you know, really broken homes. We knew that. We're coming in and we're just engaging our kids. We were so thankful that our kids got to play with these older kids in such an appropriate way. And it was just really kind of one of those moments like, yeah, this is why we moved into the city. Like God is teaching us and God is allowing us to be part of his kingdom in this creative way. And they left and I was talking to Courtney. Oh, this is so great. what, What a great night we had. This is awesome. And then we realized that some of our kids' toys were stolen. And we were like, man. And it was just like, oh, like, what is that? It wasn't a big deal. They were these little plastic finger skateboards, but they were good ones. They were the quality ones. And um, they weren't the ones that we have, like, that we give as toys in our children's ministry to the kids, you know, like the really cheap plastic skateboards if your kids have come home with those. Now, this is the good stuff. And... Um, I was really, really angry. It wasn't a big deal, but I was really, really angry because I thought something was so good and I felt manipulated and hoodwinked and all these things by these kids who came in and pretended to play with our kids and be friends and be good and, 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 and it was beautiful and then it was ugly. And I was talking to the staff about it, like, man, I'm just really upset about this. And, um, you know, th- what do these kids need? How can I best love them? You know, what can I best do to love these kids? And, you know, I'm gonna, I need to go to their house and tell them that you don't steal from people and you don't trick people like this. I'm going to teach them a lesson because I bet they don't get taught lessons. I'm going to teach them a lesson because they need a good lesson, right? And actually, I think it was Sherry said, why don't you go buy them their own skateboards and give them to them so they don't have to steal from you? And I was like, oh. Do you remember that, Sherry? No? I'm pretty sure it was you. Yeah, well, then it was you. (sighs) 
Sherry's going to be inundated after this sermon with help for people, how to love people better. So, um, when she said that, like, my spirit just, like, rested. And I was like, yes, that's love. Now, that doesn't mean when somebody steals from you all the time, you go and buy them. Like, if somebody steals your car, don't go buy the person who stole a car and then tell them that you love them. I mean, if that's what Jesus tells you to do, do it. I'm just, this was the appropriate way to love in this situation based on who I am, who Jesus is, and who those kids were that stole from us. It was just right. Like, the thing that I wanted to do, it wasn't right. I wanted to convince myself that it was right. I could say, yes, I love Jesus, and I love those kids, and I'm going to teach them a lesson because God's word says this about how you should or should not behave, and I'm going to love them and teach them, and they're going to change. But I knew that they wouldn't. I just wanted to vent on them and tell them how bad they were. That was my spirit. And I was given an alternative to that. It was just like, you know, this is love. And so we went to Walmart with the kids, or I took our kids to Walmart, and we found new skateboards, so the kids got to be a part of it. And then we went to the one kid's house, and and we never said, hey, we know you stole from us, but we said, hey, we just got these skateboards. Would you like to have some of these? It's a large pack, and we couldn't possibly use 10-finger skateboards in our house, and so would you like some? Yes, I would love to have some of your little skateboards. And um, just the smells in the house and the brokenness of it all, their little, his little sister, who was like three, was holding an iPhone with like a gun app on it. It was just a picture of a handgun, and she was just like shooting me the whole time. She's like, <laughs> and it just had this picture of a gun, and it was just making these shooting sounds. And <laughs> She shot me like 300 times in like the 10 minutes that I was at their house, and it was just like all of this scene, and um, it was hard, but it was the right thing. Like, and I, I left feeling like we— we, my family, me and my kids, we loved, we loved him. Jesus loved him. Jesus loved him. Because the love went through the cross. Instead of through the imposter Jesus that I was going to bring to that situation, instead of through the commandment to, you know, discipline children when they need discipline appropriately, you know, all these things, I could have filtered it through. But because I was, had good people around me who loved me and cared about my family— then I was able to actually love the way Jesus wanted me to love in that situation, which when I heard that that's what I should do, it was exciting. Like I couldn't wait to go love that way because I knew I was in Christ. I knew I was abiding in him. And that feels so right. It feels so right. When you abide in Christ, this is the commandment to love. Now that boy can feel Christ's love. And he did. I know he did. So the hard part in all of this is that we have to look at ourselves because first, in First John, it's written to, to the church. It's written to brothers and sisters in Christ. And so how do we love each other? How do we at Cornerstone um, love each other? You know, we all have, there's certain types of people that, you know, you may not like. And I'm sure we could ask your spouse and they could, or we could ask your best friend or we could ask your kids and they could maybe tell us the kinds of people that rub you the wrong way. So maybe it's a certain kind of personality. Maybe it's people that have a certain kinds of life circumstances that are different from yours. Um, maybe it's, you know, you have share different passions than somebody. How can somebody have that passion? This is the right passion to have. You know, just stuff like that. And so we have a tough time loving those people. Um, I think of a roommate that Courtney had one time. <laughs> She's like, the, has become a category of people sometimes. That, like, that kind of person's really hard to love. And, and so we do this. 
we, we categorize, we generalize, we take the humanity out of who somebody is in Christ. We generalize them in a category, and we know we have a hard time with those people because of how we're made. Um, so maybe, um, maybe you struggle with loving people who are poor. Um, maybe you struggle with people who are rich. Maybe you struggle with people who are generous, or maybe you struggle with people who are stingy. Um, maybe you struggle with people who have families. Um, maybe you struggle with people who don't have families. Maybe you struggle with people who are on time all the time. Or maybe you struggle with people who aren't on time ever. And, and you boil, we laugh, because we all, yeah, okay, that's me. I'm on one of the sides of that. Because we value that so much, and to us, that's love. Like, if they showed up on time, they'd love me. Or why do they have to show up on time all the time? Can't we just be more free-flowing and just kind of loose with this whole thing and show the love? So there's all these things, and some of these things really matter. Some of these things are important. Some of these things, in the scheme of things, maybe aren't that important, but it doesn't matter. Because, because we choose then not to love in those situations because we're bumping up against that thing that grinds against us. And so we set the cross aside and we put something else between us and the other person. Even though we say, I go to church every Sunday. I love Jesus. I love my neighbor, or at least I know I should love my neighbor, but it's all out of order. And so we go and we try to love in those places, but it's not, it's not real. It's not authentic. And, and people feel that, and then it gets into the community, and people just feel isolated. Um, people don't understand me. Um, why does that person not get my heart? Um, why does that person not show up on time? Why does that person not give generously, even though that they're rich? Um, why does that person live where they live? Why does that person do what they do? Why do they talk the way that they talk? And then we just decide that, no, I'm not loving them because they're not worthy of that kind of love. We'll pretend We'll put on the face, we talk about, but, but we don't. We don't do it. We may even love somebody because they're in a certain circumstance. Like, I'm, gonna, I'm loving you because you're sick, or because you're poor, or because you're broken. And, and that's not okay either. Like, we don't love them because of their circumstance. We love them because they're a human being created in God's image. We love them because we're a child of God, and, and our position in Christ as one who abides, as one who's in Christ, is one who loves through Christ. Not because they need love because, oh, they're so sad and sorry. No, no. We love them because Christ loved them. And if we stand behind the cross and look at them through the cross, then we understand how Jesus loves them. And then our love goes through that. And then they receive not our love, but the love of Christ. And it's beautiful, and it's right, and it feels right to us, and it feels right to them. And then those differences about what we think of their lifestyle or their choices or the choices they don't make or the choices they should make or the way that they talk so loud or don't talk enough or whatever it is, melt away because we see them as Christ sees them. So this morning we started in this idea, this concept of that God was in the beginning. God is eternal. God is love, and his love is eternal. So, so, so we can access this. 
Because God is here. He's present. He's real. His love, we cannot, we cannot conjure up his love, nor can we make his love go away by, being, by doing bad things. His love is here. Are we going to choose to engage his love in the way that allows us to love one another? Are we going to choose to see the real Christ? Are we going to choose when we stand here and look at the other person through the cross to let Jesus speak to us about why we have trouble loving in this situation? About things that we need to let go of? About things that we need to do away with? About dark places in our heart? About hurt and pain that we don't want to let go of? Because we can hold on to that as a justification for being a certain way that we are. Are we willing to stand here and let Jesus go to those places and to purify our love, to perfect our love? Right, because perfect love casts out fear. And all those places of fear that we have, if we let that perfect love in, it brings healing. And the love just goes, it just goes through the cross. And people feel the love of Christ. The eternal love is present. The eternal love of God. That is the hope. That is the hope that we have. That is the hope that we had for all time. That is the hope that we have today, and that is the hope that we will have tomorrow, that his love is there. The love of the Father is present, and it is real, and it is kind and gentle and compassionate. And those places in our heart that we don't want to be touched by his love, it's okay. He'll be gentle and kind and compassionate. And he will allow you to love your brother or your sister or your neighbor as Christ loves you. Team, you can come on up. Jesus, we, uh, we're broken people. And so often we put this imposter in between us and others, God. We believe something else to protect ourselves. We believe something else because it's safer. Uh, we believe something else because, frankly, we've just been taught bad stuff. But Jesus, you are real, and your love is real. And God, we want to love others because you first love us. The, the gospel, Jesus, the good news is what we want and what we desire. And when we abide in that, when we walk in that, we can't help but obey your commandment to love one another. We want to. It's so good. It's the right place to be. So Jesus, give us the courage, give us the faith and the hope to stand in that place. In your name, Jesus. Amen. This morning, um, for our benediction, I want to be able f- for us together to receive um, freedom from Christ in releasing the conditions on our love. Um, we all hedge the love that we give in with conditions. Um, we make it contractual. And so I want the work of the Holy Spirit in all of us for the sake of our relationships that we have with other for the sake of the relationships that you have outside of here um, in your family, in your neighborhood in your workplace, wherever it may be um, that those conditions on our love can fall away we can't make that happen Um, Jesus makes that happen um, because he first loved us and so we need to be able to receive that love because when we receive that love those conditions fall off so this morning in the benediction we want to receive the love of Jesus. So if you could receive from him now, Jesus, um, together as your body, we receive your love, a love that we may have said we are not worthy of, um, 
a love that maybe we are afraid of because of what it might mean. A love that we're just unfamiliar with because there's things blocking that. So Jesus, that we could together, not as a bunch of individuals, but as a community, receive your love. receive your love, Jesus. We receive your love, Father. We receive your love, Holy Spirit. So that we might love our brother, love our sister, love one another, and drop the pretenses, drop the fake love, um, end the game, and love through your cross. And it is then that you are glorified. You are glorified in and through the love that we show to one another, Jesus. So we receive with open arms and open hands. And we believe that this love is transforming. We believe that this person of Christ, that you, Jesus, are transforming. So we receive you. We receive the good news who you are, Jesus. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen.